0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. And then there were four. Four teams remain in the playoffs. We'll look back at the divisional round. Our colleague from azcardinals.com, Kyle Odegaard, joins us once again. This time is to help count down the top plays on offense in 2020. By the way, DeAndre Hopkins is featured quite prominently. But first, a note about that other Cardinals wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 387, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts.
2: Murray rolls to the right, throws near side defense, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown.
0: Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So we are officially on Larry Fitzgerald Watch, and here's why I say this now. Last Friday, the 15th, marked the one-year anniversary in which Fitz announced he would return to play a 17th season. This Saturday, the 23rd, marks the two-year anniversary in which Fitz announced he would return to play a 16th season. In other words, we would appear MJ to be nearing a decision of course, if you look back at 2017 and 2018, he waited until February to announce he was coming back. So maybe we're not close to a decision. Bottom line is we're all anxious to know what number 11 is going to do.
2: Yeah. And, you know, when, when Cliff met with the media uh, after the uh, final game um, against the Rams the following day, he mentioned that is going to take some time off. And, you know, I, I I've talked to Larry last week uh, on the phone and he, I don't think he's in any hurry. I think he's going to take his time. Um, Again, I don't know if it has anything to do with what the staff's going to look like. Um, You know, we'll just have to wait and see. You you normally just don't bring back all your coaches. Some guys' contracts expire. Some retire. Some, obviously, you know, are looking um, at the situation when it comes to seven uh, openings now. And so some of those jobs are going to fill up. But I, I don't think he's in a hurry. And I always looked at the Phoenix Open. And then because, you know, when he was going on Radio Row, he always wanted, didn't want to have to answer that question. But he I believe he'll be at the Super Bowl working for Westwood One with his good friend Jim Gray. And um, I, I, I don't know if we're going to have a decision uh, between now and the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I think he's going to let it play out. And uh, he's got to make that decision where you – know, you, we all know if players start thinking about it and hard to think he hasn't thought about it, but is he ready to really step away and he'll miss the game. I mean, but we know that he set himself up for that second career. And there's a lot of things he wants to do, but uh, I don't know. I, I really don't think there's a time frame right now. I think it's just, it's, it's an open date and now could happen sooner rather than later, but I really think he's going to sit there and wait to see, you know, They do have a lot of free agents. We talked about that. He obviously doesn't have any decisions there, Um, but he wants, I I think like any player they want to make sure they're going to have a good roster next year.
0: Yeah. Fitz, one of 32 unrestricted, or I should say one of 32 free agents. There are 28 unrestricted free agents and Fitz is one of those. I would just say, 18 seasons sounds a heck of a lot better than 17 seasons, 18. It's an even number. It just, it sounds
2: better, right? I mean, that's got to count for something. Well, and, in, in, you know, I think we're all hoping, you know, with the vaccine and getting ahead of ourselves, we know that the combine is not going to happen this year. I think JC Trotter, who's the uh, president of the NFLPA association, he kind of liked it. So I don't know how much they're going to be able to do in the off season. I mean, let's be honest, Larry, you know, he likes to take care of that body. Uh, he'll show up when he needs to. So th- this is a lot of factors, but like I said, I don't, I don't I don't think I'm going to have to check my phone today or tomorrow to see if he's coming back. And obviously he'll make that decision on his own. What I mean is I, I I'd be, I'd be surprised if I hear something in the next couple of days just because the way he was talking is and, and he uses the word we, it's not like they it's we. So he, I, I still think he's, I know he's at peace, but I think he's got to make a decision to make because once you make that decision, you're done. Yeah,
0: and however long it takes, it's his decision and his decision alone whether to come back for that 18th season or not. All right, before we get to Kyle, I need to remind the Bird Gang to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com app for more. All right, back by popular demand. Kyle rejoining us here on Cardinals Cover 2 to discuss the top five plays on offense here in the just-completed 2020 regular season. Number five, DeAndre Hopkins' catch in double coverage at the Jets. It was week five, the Cardinals' final score of that game, a 37-yard pass from Kyler Murray to Hopkins that made it 30-10. to That would be the final, but it was what Hopkins had to deal with, Kyle, that really set this play apart. Yeah,
1: I thought the, the catch in traffic, the body control, it, it just showed everything about why DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best three receivers in the NFL, if not the best. I, I, and I think it was a good example of showing Kyler Murray that just – throw me the ball, throw it in my vicinity, and I might make a play. I know it's double coverage. I know the window is extremely small. But if you throw an accurate pass, I'm always going to have a shot at bringing it down. I think that was uh, kind of the quintessential example of if you see me going to go route, give me a shot. And I I think Kyler Murray knows that if he has better options, obviously take the – the wide open receiver first, but if other things aren't there, then it's never a bad idea to throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and see if he can make a play.
2: Yeah. I remember, you know, week one, what was he targeted? Like 16 times. And I asked someone, are you going to target him 16 times the next week? And he said, if they don't cover him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, you know, watching Larry, all, all those years and just their ability, the uncanny ability to, to, to get the ball at its highest peak, I mean, that's that's his genes, and, and, and obviously, you know, obviously getting stronger. I think they both have big hands, so they able to come down with it. But he really impressed me on, on those, those double and triple coverages, including uh, the, the Hal Murray play. But you could just see, it, and I'm glad that Cliff started to move him around a little bit more towards the end of the year, because I think if he gets that slant pass, or, you know, you can put him out to where he can do a crossing route, he has the ability to, to, to get to the second level. And he, you can take a 10 yard pass and turn it into a 30 yard gain. And that's something that I think they should definitely employ more next year. And if he's not being covered by the number one corner, I mean, yeah, you have to spread the ball around, but we know 99.9% of the time he's going to catch the football.
0: Yeah. His catches in traffic. This one in particular, the defender had great coverage, tried to knock the ball out. And then the safety arrived and shoulder block Hopkins to the ground yet. That ball never moved. Once it's in his hands, it is his and his alone. And that day, Hopkins had six catches for 131 yards plus that touchdown. Now, DeAndre Hopkins also featured in our fourth best offensive play of 2020. Kyler Murray throwing a 35-yard touchdown pass to Hopkins against the Seahawks. This was week seven, Sunday night football, perfectly captured by NBC because this is where, one, Murray is smiling Two, he's throwing the football without touching the laces. (laughs) And we learned Kyle that this was actually a trick play because at first glance, it appeared Murray wasn't ready for the snap. And there was some confusion on the offensive side. And that was the trick was to confuse the opposing defense because Kingsbury admitted later that he stole the play to kind of where you snap it. But the rest of the offense outside of quarterback and receiver aren't all on the same page
1: yeah I thought it was really interesting live when I saw it because one of the assistant coaches started waving his hands frantically and the receivers all looked over at him and then they snapped the ball and you're right at first it's thinking okay that was messed up but you watch how quickly the guys got off the line after the snap then I started thinking Maybe they did that on purpose where they pretended like they weren't ready. And then, yeah, somebody asked Cliff Kingsbury. He confirmed that they were trying to deke Seattle a little bit. And it was a a really nice play because – They all acted like they weren't ready, and then they all just got shot out of a cannon and and ran downfield. And obviously, it was best-case scenario. Once again, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins for a big touchdown, screaming down that left side. Another impressive catch. And yeah, I I think the extra added sizzle to it was fun where you had the smile, you had the no laces, you had the trick play. There were a lot of moving parts in this one that made it a, a super memorable play.
2: Yeah. And I got to think the smile is a, because the play worked. And then all of a sudden he's able to throw the ball down the field without the laces. So, yeah, I, I think it's it, the sequence of that. I think that was for the smile and this actually worked. And Kyle, uh, we don't know when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury um, play sheet, but it sounds like he steals a lot of plays from a lot of different people. I mean, it, it's crazy. And, and he's not shy about it. He'll tell us I stole that from somebody else. And it's like, Oh, this is good. Um, yeah. I, I just want, I mean, I don't know if the whole playbook's like that. I mean, I think they all do it because if, if it's working we know it's it's a copycat league, but he really says, I stole that plate from someone else. Yeah.
1: And it's definitely not just NFL. I mean, he's, he's yeah. grinding tape in college and he was watching AAF tape and all sorts <laughs> of different tape, the offseason season during the, during the quarantine Um, but yeah I think he he certainly does it and he gives props to where it needs to be but the one that sticks out to me when they ran the fourth and two I believe it was against Washington and kind of a triple option look with Chris Strebler he said yeah I got that from Navy like a couple years ago it's like you're watching (laughs) Navy tape from 2016
2: of course you are (laughs) yeah we know Navy just lines up and runs the football right yeah yeah
0: (laughs) However, you find these plays, as long yeah. as they're successfully executed, that at the end of the day, that's all that matters. As we continue our countdown, the top five offensive plays of 2020, and at number three, once again, DeAndre Hopkins. This time, it's week 15 against the Eagles, the game winning touchdown catch. Remember, the game is tied midway through the fourth quarter. It's third and two at the Philadelphia 20. Murray looks only in Hopkins's direction. It's a back shoulder throw. Hopkins catches it with two hands and hangs on as the defender pushes him to the ground. Once again, Colin, example of those strong hands. We all marvel at what Larry Fitzgerald is able to do with his two mitts. Well, he's got some competition in that locker room because Hopkins, uh, I'm not going to say who has the better hands, but Hopkins is certainly at his equal.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And obviously this is a very, uh, hop centric list because of all the great plays he made. And this one was kind of a marriage of really impressive individual play. And also the time of the game where that ended up being a game winning touchdown pass against the Eagles, where at that point the Cardinals were in good position to make the playoffs. And if they lost, they would have been in trouble quite a bit. So just a very important play for the season. And I, I, I know, on that play, a couple of the Eagles defenders started waving incomplete because they just thought with all the traffic and with how high degree of difficulty that catch was, they figured he dropped it. And then you watch the replay and he just sucked it in like a vacuum. Like the ball just comes and he brings it in like no problem. And and the ball didn't bobble. Like, like you mentioned earlier with the one against the jets, it's yeah. it's incredible the way that Deandre Hopkins Catches those balls and and just holds them so tightly and his hands are so big that he really just sucks them up and that was a, a big play and a very impressive one that eventually gave the Cardinals
2: the win. Yeah, and going into that game, you know, we thought, oh, Jalen Hurts' first road start, kind of like Tua, and the next thing you know, that he was running around, and he was finding guys. I'm like, this game should be this yep. close, you know. And we and we talked about that front four and that front seven. Um, obviously they had some issues in the secondary, but that was a game where you're thinking the Cardinals should run away with this, but it was a lot closer. So, uh, that's what it means when you get your five-star players, when the game's on the line to make a play. And he did that. And he's done that pretty much out his career, you know, even when he was in Houston. Now there was another catch in this game that I had included
0: in my top five plays of 2020 did not make the final list. And that was Larry Fitzgerald's touchdown catch against the Eagles. And I included it for two reasons, gentlemen. One, because it's Fitz, and it was his only touchdown catch of the season. And then two, the degree of difficulty with the defender in his way and trying. I don't even know if Fitz actually saw the ball all the way into his hands, but the way he contorted his body and then fell down to make sure he got inbounds to make that catch. So I included that in my top five it didn't make the overall top five but as we're talking about this eagles contest i did want to make mention of that particular play because i certainly in addition to giving some Fitz some recognition certainly didn't want to put hopkins in every single one of my top five plays
2: yeah i, I also had that as number five uh the fits and, and again it was interesting to where you know the defenders got his back to him and Larry's basically got his arms around him and then he's able to you know get his butt down stay in balance and you know it was a good catch but it was number five for me when I turned my list in
1: and like you said Craig he Larry Fitzgerald at this point in his career isn't separating the same way that DeAndre Hopkins does when it when it comes to clear Yep. catching ability. I mean, he's still right there with him. You you throw the ball anywhere in Larry Fitzgerald's vicinity and he's going to have a chance of bringing it down. I thought that catch was a great example of it where it was definitely in traffic. Yep. It was a, a tough throw, a good throw by Kyler Murray as well. So yeah, that that one definitely got a lot of votes as well. It was right on the precipice, but all the, uh, all the
2: D-hop highlights beat him out. Well, and, and, and then during that week of practice, I think it was Chase that told Kyler he hasn't had a touchdown pass this year. yet, yeah. And so it, it sounds like they're going to make it happen. Now, you can't force it, but I'm glad he was able to get his uh, a touchdown before the season was over.
0: All right, we continue our countdown here in at number two. It is the only non-DeAndre Hopkins play of the five best plays of the season, and that is Christian Kirk's 80-yard touchdown catch against the Cowboys. Week six, Monday Night Football, and this is where we learned about quick hands, where you don't reach your arms out until the last second so you can maintain your balance and run after the catch. It was a one-play drive. It was a thing of beauty. We'd all been talking about the number of deep shots. And you got to stretch the field. Well, Kirk, who doesn't have great speed, was able to stretch the field because there was not a defender within five yards of him on that reception. I thought that was a tremendous
1: individual play by Christian Kirk. Uh, Kyler Murray, there was one game all year where he was a little bit inaccurate and it was that Dallas game, especially early on. He was probably amped up because he was in his hometown. He knew his family was watching. His friends were watching. He was on prime time and there were probably, there was probably some adrenaline pumping for Kyler Murray. So that pass was a little bit too far, but it ended up perfect because, like you said, Christian Kirk made an incredible individual move to do those quick hands, really grabbed that ball with just his fingertips, and he stayed on his feet. A lot of guys would have dove for that, and it would have been a great play, but it would have been a 50-yard gain, not an 80-yard touchdown. So he had to decide in a fraction of a second whether it made more sense to stay on his feet and try to catch it or to dive. And it just worked out perfectly where he grabbed it, kept his stride, ran for a touchdown. And the Cardinals obviously won that game easily, but it was it was a little bit nip and tuck early in the first half where they needed to pull away. And that that play seemed like it really gave the Cardinals what they needed to get away from the
2: Cowboys and turned into a route. Yeah, we you know, coming out of the draft, he's too small, doesn't have enough speed, but he also had another one. 56-yarder uh, against the Dolphins, and then you go back to the previous year, I want to see he had a nice touchdown pass against the uh, 49ers. So, yep. again, I, I think his natural position is the slot. If you can find somebody else on the upside opposite, opposite of Hopkins, and maybe that guy's not on the roster, hopefully Keyshawn Johnson can make strides. But I, I think his perfect position would be in the slot, get him on those crossing routes, get him on those slant routes. We know we see bubble screens, which I think are more extended run plays. But he's shown the ability – uh, to get past the defensive backs, and maybe they're thinking he's going to cut off a route. Um, so when you start looking at some of his touchdowns, um, they have been some big plays, and we know without the fans this year, it could kind of you know give a little hype to the sideline. So, But he's got to stay healthy and be more consistent because I'm not ready to write him off, but he's more of a three right now, and I think we were all hoping he'd be a two. Yeah, I think we anticipated a step
0: in the direction of a number two this year and it just didn't materialize for whatever reason and yeah he was hurt but that was only earlier in the season and he did have six touchdowns which tied for the team lead yet I think we anticipated more in the area of catches and receiving yards here for Christian Kirk
2: in year three. Yeah, and I talked to a player after the season. He 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 told me towards the end uh, that that COVID really screwed him up a little bit. Um, you know, just coming back from it and missing time. So I think it affects every guy differently. Um, sometimes you don't get your smell back right away and, and taste. But I talked to a player after the season. I said, "Is there any concern about him moving forward?" And he said, "I just think you know the injuries and then the COVID really affected him. So maybe you know he wasn't at full strength." to end the season, but obviously, you know, they're, they're expecting more uh, production out of him moving forward.
0: All right. So before we get to our number one play of 2020, here are five through two Deandre Hopkins, touchdown catch and double coverage at the jets. Kyler Murray smiles as he throws a 35 yard touchdown to Deandre Hopkins against the Seahawks on Sunday night football Hopkins game winning touchdown catch against the Eagles. Christian Kirk's 80 yard touchdown catch against the Cowboys on Monday night football. Kyle, without giving it away, was there any other vote other than what we are about to talk about here in 2020 when it comes to the number one offensive play this past season? When a play is probably the top
1: play in the entire NFL for a season, it's not going to get any vote other than number one. So it was unanimous that, uh, the number one offensive play of the year was the Hale Murray.
2: All right. Before we get into it, how many are on our panel? Uh, there are probably 15 people that voted. Okay. So not n- nobody was in left field at all. Nope. <laughs> good. How could you be? I know. Did you know some? Uh, well, you know. I it, know. There's always one, but in this yeah. case, no. Nope, I mean, they was... had a lot of good plays, but that's going to be hard to top. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's not the play of the year. I mean, I mean that.
0: Yeah. Week 10. The Bills had just scored with 34 seconds left to take a 30-26 to 26 lead. The game was over. Listening to Pash and Wolfley on the broadcast, lamenting another missed opportunity. Cardinals, though, get the ball at the 25-yard line, 34 seconds to go. They do have two timeouts. Murray completes three straight passes to the Buffalo 43, 11 seconds to go time for possibly two plays maybe three and that's important here because if you listen to the post game what the bills were saying they were not expecting a Hail Mary there they were expecting a shorter throw to set up maybe one toss into the end zone but because murray scrambled and took more time off he drops back scrambles eludes to the rush gets pressured throws from the ball from the midfield and he said he only saw Hopkins downfield. Well, there were three defenders in the area. Hopkins jumps up, high points it, catches the ball with two seconds left to go on the clock. Might be the picture of the year as far as Hopkins' gloves, surrounded by the Buffalo Bills defenders. And the Cardinals win 32-30. to 30. And it certainly was one of the highlight plays, not only of the Arizona Cardinals, but the entire National Football League.
1: My favorite quote uh, from the play afterward was DJ Humphreys when he was saying that he felt like it was a hail Mary. The only hail Mary he's ever seen that wasn't luck. He he felt like, you know, the throw wasn't exactly like this moon shot where you're just hoping that it bounces around and your guy gets it. Like he saw DeAndre Hopkins and he kind of threw it without an arc. It was just meant for DeAndre Hopkins and, Hopkins felt like yeah there's three defenders here but I'm gonna catch this ball and he did he you know a better catch by eye is also seared into my memory from that <laughs> point. Um, but it was it was an incredible play I think for both of those guys where we we all remember the catch but to me the ability by Kyler Murray to Get out of the pocket and run opposite his natural way, throw yeah. it against his body, yeah. perfectly accurate on a line. Like that, that throw was incredible. I don't think more than two or three other quarterbacks in the NFL can do that. I think Patrick Mahomes can do it, Aaron Rodgers can do it, probably Russell Wilson and Josh Allen. But beyond that, I don't know how many. How many quarterbacks have the combination of mobility and arm strength and arm accuracy to make that throw? And I thought it was a fantastic throw. And yeah, just to, just looking back, like what that meant for the season. Clearly, that was the peak of the year where you make that play. You're six and three. You're leading the NFC West. Everything was going so well. And if you stop the season there, it's one of the best seasons in Cardinals history because of the way that happened. Obviously, it it, it kind of went down from there, but a uh, snapshot in time, the DeAndre Hopkins-Hale-Murray catch is just unforgettable.
2: Yeah, and, you know, when you when you look at it, um, we started a little – we stirred it up a little bit, uh, Kyle, because we threw it out there. Was it a better catch or a better throw? And there's no wrong answer. Yeah. Because, I mean, Murray – I mean, Hop has to run that route, and then obviously, you know, you can see he's putting his hand up. But Murray's getting flush out of the pocket. He's almost to the sidelines. And, he, and like you said, it wasn't a moonshot. It was a, a throw that he thought he was, you know, going to be able to throw it. So who, who would you give the edge to? I say throw. I,
1: I thought – Hey, know, this is <laughs> trifecta. We all say throw? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean – Yeah. And it's, it's hard doing that because of – I know. You catch a pass – from three in front of three yes. guys from yep. 50 yards out to time your jump perfectly is not easy to do to not get that ball rattled out. is so hard to do. So it was an absolutely incredible catch from Deandre Hopkins. But I think the degree of difficulty on the throw was harder. And I think what Kyler Murray
2: did on that play was just special. And the bills learned from them because last <laughs> week they, they actually, actually knocked the ball down. Yeah. You know? Cause Micah Hyde came kind of in late and, I'm sure that's what you're taught. Now it's hard to, uh, you know, duplicate in practice because you don't want anybody getting injured. But the fact is that you know the throw. But you know a, the fact that he had three guys draped on him. He had the highest peak when the ball was was at his highest peak, and he was able to come down to it, as Craig mentioned the gloves, and then just him holding the ball on the ground. It was just like he caught it. I think that's <laughs> what passed. He caught it. So yeah, yeah. That that this is a great moment. But give props to both guys. Uh, Because that, you know, they went on a losing streak after that. And everyone said, if you didn't get to Hail Mary, you'd be on a longer losing streak.
0: Yeah, without question, the play of the year. And Kyle, you alluded to it. I think the quote of the year, they were in position. It was just a better catch by eye. The (laughs) Andre Hopkins post game. The man is amazing on the field and certainly has given us some great material off the field as well. And at the end of the day, Who cares if he practices, but that's a different story for another time here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One other note as far as plays that I had included that didn't make it, and it was more so because, well, there was just a lot of DeAndre Hopkins on here. And for good reason, but I kind of like to spread things around a little bit. That's why I included the Fitz catch against the Eagles. I also added the Kyler Murray 21-yard touchdown run week two against Washington, just because of how athletic, how the play call won by Pash and Wolfley, and then just the reaction nationally the next day when people saw what Murray was able to do out in open space and like the Washington defenders just look absolutely ridiculous.
2: Yeah. And I, I had Chase Evans at 29 nine touchdown run with the Jets. And it, you know we always talk about the Cardinals, you know, trying to at least Drake, trying to bounce outside. I mean, run up the middle. And we've seen him do that a few different times at the Meadowlands, whether against the Jets or Giants. So I just thought that was a huge play and and, and obviously they were able to uh, win that football game.
1: And one of the best plays that didn't count this season was, I think it was a holding call that brought it back, but Kyler Murray running for a touchdown when he kind of did the uh, skip to my Lou against the defender. I think it was Washington and he, yeah. he just, That that just encapsulated how he can toy with defenders. This is a quarterback that is just doing – this sort of thing in the open field against a defensive back when no other quarterback besides Lamar Jackson can do that sort of thing. So, yeah, we didn't really get uh, Kyler Murray's mobility into the top five plays, but clearly that was such a critical component of what the Cardinals do on offense.
2: Yeah. And when he was, you know, had put up MVP numbers, I mean, he was making grown men look silly on the football field. And I think yep. that Larry said he's probably the most dynamic player in the NFL because of the dual threat. But he, he grown men, making them look silly and that's that's what we talked about after that game so
0: looking back now over the top plays of 2020 offense defense and special teams four happened in week seven on Sunday night football against the Seahawks three in week 15 against the Eagles so you're talking about seven of the 15 plays that we've discussed here happened in those two games what does it mean I don't know. I just threw it out there. I just found it interesting. <laughs> that's all. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 16 games, yet we're boiling it down to do those two specifically. And the Seattle game for me was the game of the year in totality, yes. considering the opponent and the stage that it was on a game that was not scheduled for Sunday night football, but got flexed into prime time.
2: Well, Craig, if they can win more than eight games last year, we'll, we'll spread it out a little bit more. <laughs>
0: make Kyle work a little bit, make him do uh, top 10 plays instead of top five?
1: I mean, there were there were definitely a lot of good plays and people, you know, kind of split it up and there were a lot of different candidates and people thought other plays should have made it. And We just kind of tabulated the votes and these were the top five, but clearly a season that I think on both sides of the ball, yeah. there were easily 10, 15, you could point to as very impressive plays. And maybe Hop would have only been – nine of the 10 or 14 <laughs> of the 15 but he I mean he was amazing I think he deserves to be yeah. up there every every time you needed to well, play on offense this season it was it seemed like it was Kyler to hop so
2: yeah and just look where he where he landed and when it comes to the NFL I mean you know second most in targets I mean receiving yards and you know I'd like to see more touchdowns and I think that will happen just to get, get on the same page but yeah I mean it's just one of those situations when you got a number one receiver like that, I mean, he's going to make these re- remarkable and, you know, caption uh, receptions. And so that's something they can build on in the future. I think it'll be better next year. I don't know if he'll put up 1500 yards, you hope somebody else, but I think, you know, double digit when it comes to touchdowns.
0: Great work, as always, Kyle. And I think it's important because we're all disappointed on how the season ended and we kind of lose sight of the journey that we had in 2020. And these top five plays certainly allow us to look back at some of the better moments and hopefully we see more of those moving
2: into 2021. Kyle, when you do this, I mean, is there every, do you do like an update every September? or are you using your, your memory looking back at the season?
1: Yeah, I just kind of go back and try to make sure I didn't miss any big ones. I mean, a lot of the scoring plays are going to be involved, and then you kind of remember certain ones off the top of your head. Uh, But, yeah, there's no easy process to it. It's just kind of combing through the games and remembering the highlights. But it's – and I think, Craig, to your point, I think this season obviously turned out poorly but it, it was one of the seasons where the high points were higher than the Cardinals have had in, in quite a long time, probably going back to 2015, because 2016 started with so much hype, but the Cardinals never got above 500 that season, and you could never really get that train rolling, even though people expected them to be in the Super Bowl hunt, it never really came together. This season, to get to 6-3 and three and to play the way they were playing early I think it got people really excited and the way it ended, people are, you know, fairly disappointed and mad about it. And it's interesting what's going to happen next season. Can they continue on this trajectory and get to double digit wins and say, we're continuing to make progress or are there issues where they're not going to get there? So I think it's, I think it's a very pivotal offseason for the Cardinals to continue to go on that track and say, the team we were in the first nine games is the team we can be consistently for an entire season.
2: Yeah, and and, and I got to think, you know, when, when it comes to penalties and and you know play calling, more execution and clock management, those are the things they have to work on because those little things, you know, when you win, they get overlooked. And you know, I, my my question is, is this offense sustainable? Can you win eight games with this offense because of Kyler Murray's attributes and some of the weapons they have, or can you get to nine or ten or eleven wins? Would you know going back and being a you know a team that can pound the football, um, so I'm curious to see if it's sustainable over a period of time where equals more wins. The thing that stands out to me is
1: they ha- they lacked an intermediate passing game this season, and I think in the NFL to be efficient regularly, I think you need to get that 10 to 20 yard range of passes going more efficiently. If you can do that, then you're going to be able to get the get the runs from Kyler Murray that are naturally going to be there because of his athletic ability. That's always going to be built into the offense because of the player he is. But I think the passing game needs to be less hit or miss and more efficient in the middle. Like they had deep shots that hit this season. when they obviously did a lot of that short stuff. But when you don't have the 10 to 20 yard mini chunks, I think that hurts an offense. I think if they can get there, then their offense will be fine. And I think Kyler Murray is going to continue to progress. I mean, we have huge expectations for him. He's still only going into his third season. He saw a lot again this year. He's going to see more next year. It's just collecting that information and getting to the process mentally where you're completely comfortable with what defenses are doing to you. And I think that's going to benefit the passing game. So I think – once they can get there, then yeah, I think we are talking about a, a ten win team, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to pass the ball efficiently in the NFL in order to have a good offense.
2: Yeah, and, and and let's let's be honest. I mean, we always talk about two eight and eights. You know, the team was five and two and then six and three, but then the team that made a lot of progress. I mean, the, the, the offensive numbers are night and day from a sixteen game schedule. Um, but yeah, I, I I I do I'm I'm encouraged in the third year. I think we are hoping to see a jump in year number two. I don't think there was a sophomore slump, but when you're talking about some of these plays, we, you know, Kurt Warner always said it's tough to go on 10 and 12 play drives because you're going to get, you're going to get a penalty. Um, But I want to see more vertical passes than horizontal passes. You know, I I get it where you want to get rid of the ball and you're looking for a guy to block down on on that bubble screen, but you know, those, those 12 to 15, 18 yard uh, plays, that's how you're going to move the chains and you avoid staying in those third and long situations.
0: More Christian Kirk, ADR touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys. I think we'd all be happy about that because those are one play drives. You get off the field and <laughs> make get the defense back on as soon as possible. Bird gang. If you want to see all of these plays, go to azcardinals.com. Kyle has done a great job of looking back at 2020, looking at offense, defense and special teams. And uh, certainly appreciate your time, Kyle. And, uh, well, we'll have you on uh, at some points, I'm guessing, again, real soon here on Cardinals Cover 2. Sounds
1: good, and I think you're onto something, Craig. One play, 80-yard <laughs> touchdown drives. That's the <laughs> way to win in the NFL.
2: Guaranteed to win games <laughs> in the Forget NFL. Forget about down. the other 59 minutes and the other 64 plays. Got gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. you. score gotcha. quick. you. Yeah. You score know, quick. Your defense has got to go back on the field now.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it, Kyle. <laughs> no problem. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, let's talk playoffs, MJ, the divisional round. We now have four teams left in this 2020 postseason, obviously here in 2021, but let's begin in the NFC and begin with the fact that the NFC West has officially been eliminated completely as the Rams lost on Saturday to the Green Bay Packers 32-18. to And we talked about this late last week, the storyline Number one offense against number one defense, and in this case, with all apologies to Bertram Berry, the offense proved to be not just a little bit, a lot better than that Rams defense. As Green Bay had 484 yards of offense, the most allowed by the Rams this season, with 188 yards on the ground.
2: Yeah, and and you you know we think Aaron Donald's uh you know he's he's not human. I think he only may have played fifty four percent of the snaps, and you're watching the game, and he's not out there. And give him credit for playing. He did have a device on where it can protect the ribs, but it's more cartilage, so that that's not going to help you when you get in that push in the middle. But um, they got up to a sixteen to three lead. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you look at their 28 first downs. They're 8 for 12 on third down, which is close to 67%. They possessed the ball for 36 minutes. Um, you know, you look at it, and, and clearly the Rams wanted to run the football. And Cam Akers did get to 90 yards, and they did rush for 96. However, they gave up 188 yards. And as you mentioned, you know, Devontae Adams, he's just a matchup issue. He didn't go over 100 yards, but he did have a touchdown. Lazard had a touchdown, and Aaron Rodgers. If you're open, he's going to throw it to you. So, um, we thought, can the Rams uh, stay in the game, keeping keeping the game close? And I just didn't think they can score enough points. And you know, give Goff credit, he did play through an injury. Um, somebody asked him how long those pins are going to be in your in your thumb, and he said, until I'm in the grave, yeah. like they're not coming out. Um, so that's interesting. But yeah, I you know, be interesting to see. Is golf the starting quarterback next year? Um, they got some decisions to make. Clearly, he does, you know, for the most part, he's got a good win loss record in the regular season. Now, can he get you to that next level? And I think that's the question if you're less sneaky than Sean McVay. Yeah, golf
0: sacked four times, but it was just too much of that Packers offense. They scored on each of their first five possessions, and you bring up Aaron Rodgers. 296 yards and two touchdowns plus rushed for a touchdown as well. And if the Rams could have kept the game close, then you don't need to get to that 32 point mark. But I think anything over 25 and I think the Rams were not going to be able to get by forget the fact that it was on the road and a little cold. I just think that you needed to be able to hold down that Packers offense as opposed to if you're golf and that Rams offense, get the ball into the end zone a lot of times. I just didn't think that they were going to be able to do that against Green Bay's defense, but if the Rams' defense could have held up its end, then maybe we might have seen the Rams advance the NFC championship game.
2: Yeah, according to the game summary, 35 degrees humidity was 69% wind chill, 26, 13 miles an hour, and we're going to get into the AFC game because that seemed like a tornado, uh, at least when the flags were blown in Buffalo. All right,
0: so Green Bay hosting the title game for the first time since 2007 that NFC championship game will all be the first game on Sunday 105 and the Packers will host the Buccaneers who defeated the Saints 30 to 20 more defense here as Tampa Bay converted three of four Saints turnovers into touchdowns Devin White the big game 11 tackles a tackle for loss a quarterback hit a pass breakup a fumble recovery and an interception Defense is the story, but the storyline going in was Brady and Breeze. Neither one played particularly well. Brady a little bit better. His team won, didn't turn the ball over. But Drew Breeze, in what we think is his final game in a Saints uniform and maybe in an NFL uniform period, had three interceptions and his last pass attempt, an interception.
2: Yeah, you hate to go out like that. And, and, you know, I – I picked the Saints in this game just because I thought they were battle tested and uh, they've been on, knocking on the door, but, you know, give Todd Bowles and, you know, the, uh, uh, the defense of the Buccaneers. I mean, Devin White was a fifth overall pick in the draft. So you could see the upside there. Um, you know, they definitely missed him. Kevin Minner was in there, but what I'm shocked is Michael Thomas targeted four times, zero yards. I know he missed a lot of time this year, but when you just look at the weapons they have a team. You know, breeze, meaning he can make the throws, and then you throw in Kamara. And you know, he had eighty-five yards rushing, but nothing to where, you know, he did have a couple uh receptions for 20 yards. But um, and then you throw in Mike Thomas, you 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 have like one of the best at each position there. And the fact is they only can muster 20 points, but the turnovers, turnovers that I mean, when you when you turn the ball over, we you know, you know, I was I was listening to the serious radio this morning. And they were like, turnovers are bad any week. But when you get to the postseason, we always talk to get magnified because, you know, teams get a little more conservative in the second half if they got a lead. Um, but I, I, you know, hopefully for Breeze, I was, it was interesting to see that
1: um,
2: video of, of Drew Breeze and Tom Brady on the field. And, you know, one's going to go to the, the next round and the other guy's going to throw footballs to his kids. And he does have a job waiting for him. I don't know if he wants to go out like this, but he's – I think he's been thinking about it the last couple of years. And, and I threw this out there last night. I think Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback next year. I think Tyson Hill is still what they want him to be. and uh, But I do think uh, Winston, being in that system, now somebody can money whip him, but I, I, I do get the impression that they really like him, and he got a chance to come in and run a gadget play. Um, so I, I think I think they're in good hands and if Tyson Hill has to play um, in a pinch, and you know, he can do it. But I, I think they want to use him as a utility guy. And then Winston, you know, he did have the 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I mean, he, you can't have those in December and January, but they have more talent than maybe he had in, in uh, Tampa. Now he did have Evans and Godwin. Uh, but, again, uh, you know, Fournette, he he was kind of the guy yesterday. There, he, he led the team in receptions. I mean, so – um, uh, Antonio Brown, one catch for 10 yards, and, and Mike Evans, what a matchup there. He only had one catch for three yards and it was a touchdown. It was pretty dominant. And when you talk about those
0: turnovers, it was what the Bucks defense did returning yep. those takeaways, whether it was a fumble recovery or the interceptions, as far as the run back, because then all of a sudden you're setting up your offense with short yep. fields, and that's why I mean Brady's number is not great yet he was able to find ways to get into the end zone, whether his own rushing touchdown or passing touchdowns. And now Brady in the conference championship game for the 14th time, second closest, Joe Montana, seven. Brady has doubled his nearest competitor.
2: Yeah. And that's why he's playing till he's, he's what, 42 or 43 right now? 43. 43. So, I mean – Jerry Rice played 20 years, and that's why I don't, you know I don't think Larry can catch him. I know he can't, even if he does play another year. Yeah, Drew Brees, 134 yards, three interceptions, quarterback rating 38-1. Brady, 199 yards, he was sacked once, two touchdowns, quarterback rating right around 93. Um, but again, uh, Cameron Brate stepped up. I know teams are putting Gronk only had one catch, so they're gonna they're gonna have to score more points if they're gonna be in that Packers game. And you, you talk about a team that plays in the south going to green bay in the month of uh january Uh, i don't know if weather will play a factor but i think it will play a role Uh, and we know that brady's played in a lot of cold games in new england throughout the postseason so i don't know if that would be a factor but uh, just taking a team from the south not that they play indoors but they play outdoors but it it can be hot and humid there so we'll see maybe they i usually think you go on on a friday maybe with COVID, maybe it's a saturday because you, you got all the media sessions to go through Uh, But I definitely am looking forward to this game because, you know, Aaron Rodgers only has one, one, and two would look good considering he's going to play for five, six more years and the way he takes care of his body. So um, yeah, it's, I mean, both games are going to be entertaining. Bucks at the
0: Packers, that is the first game on Sunday, the NFC Championship game on Fox, the second game, the AFC Championship game, Bills at the Chiefs, 440 on CBS. And how did we get to this point? Let's talk about your Bills team that, let's face it, Bird Gang, if we all remember the Mike Jarecki prediction, he thought – Baltimore would win, but he is rooting for his bills and they do advance the AFC championship game for the first time since 1993. They beat the Ravens 17 to three. Josh Allen, once again, not great, but we're seeing a lot of defense here when you get further and further into the postseason, And when you can hold Lamar Jackson to just 162 passing yards and 34 rushing yards, I like your chances. Of course, he was knocked out of this game with a concussion, did not play in that fourth quarter. And then perhaps the play of the game, Taron Johnson's 101-yard pick six that really tilted this game in the Bills' favor.
2: Yeah, you know, the Bills get on the board early. It's 3-3, and you're looking, okay, it's 3-3 at halftime, not the game we anticipated. And then they Bills come out, and Stefan Diggs uh, caught a three-yard pass from Josh Allen's 10-3, and then eventually you mentioned the, the- – 101 yard return by Johnson made it 17-3. Now the Bills, I'd have to look at the numbers. I mean, they only ran the ball 16 times for 32 yards. Uh, but again, that that turnover once uh, special teams turnovers can flip everything. And you know, I, I I thought Baltimore. The reason why I picked the Ravens, I thought they were going to be able to run the football. Now you know, um, Jackson got hurt, and as you mentioned, 34 yards they ran for 150. Um, and he it looks like he took a big hit. And so, you know, and then I don't know where RG3 was. He must have been inactive because they, the guy they brought in there, I, was, I felt sorry for him. And that's something, Craig, you, you, that, that backup quarterbacks, uh, we'll get into it throughout the course of the week, but wow. Yeah, that, and, and again, I'm happy for the Bills, um, but I, I, I just thought they wouldn't be able to stop the run, and, uh, and that was really predicated on Lamar Jackson, give them credit. Um, you know, they don't beat themselves. Um, they do a little bit of everything. Uh, Josh Allen's kind of the guy that can run it. He, he only had uh, three yards, but it's, it's, he's a weapon though in the open field and he throws on the run. So John Brown had a good game. Good to see him. Um, Diggs went over hundred yards and uh, John Brown 62. So give the bills credit. Um, but I just thought Baltimore was going to be able to run the football. I was two and two this week. And you know what that means? 500.
0: <laughs> Diggs, by the way, that acquisition looking better and better every single week, fifth, Time in six games, he went over 100 receiving yards and did just enough to get the Bills into the AFC Championship game. They will travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs, who beat the Browns 22-17 Kansas City, hosting the Conference Championship game for the third straight season. Of course, the big storyline, and it's going to be one that we're going to be following all week long, is the health of Patrick Mahomes. Suffered a concussion in the third quarter. Chad Henney came in, rallied the troops, if you will, more on that in a moment, but the latest on Mahomes is, according to Andy Reid, quote, feeling pretty good, and the fact I'll give you two points why I think it is likely, more than likely, that Mahomes will play this weekend. One, he sprinted down the tunnel into the locker room after he left that ball game, and then afterwards he tweeted, hashtag Anything is possible, which I thought was phenomenal. And then responded to a tweet from Mac Wilson, who was the one who hit Mahomes with, quote, all good, brother, exclamation point. So there is a process. There are protocols in place. But I do think that Mahomes is trending in that direction to be available this week.
2: Yeah. And for those that are not familiar with that, we talked about COVID protocols this year. They concussion protocols. I don't think he'll do anything Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. They're not flying. So that's a plus. Um, and then, you know, we'll see Thursday and Friday, but he's going to have to take a memory test and a memory test is stuff that he was asked in training camp um, and how it, it, it syncs up to see, you know, is, it, how does the light affect him? Is he having any lingering headaches? So, um, but uh, I'm with you uh, barring any setbacks, but there is a process to it and he knows the offense. They, you know, I was wondering cause you brought it up last week about them being off 20 days in a row. Are they going to be rusty or, or are they going to be ready, ready to go? And, Clearly, you know, they didn't didn't get touchdowns, but they were able to get some field goals um, early. But uh, for the most part, I I agree with you. And and that's going to be a really good matchup, you know, a Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. I'll say this, though,
0: the fact that Mahomes did not play in week 17, Chad Henney did. And it certainly, I think, benefited the Chiefs. You never like to see your starting quarterback go out. Yet Henny comes in and the two plays everyone is going to talk about and it deserves to be talked about. He rushed for 13 yards on third and 14, took an ill-advised sack to get into that position. And then the game ceiling first down on fourth and one, a five-yard completion to Tyreek Hill. And it's always good when you can fool the broadcast. Everyone makes a big deal about how well Tony Romo sees the game, and he is phenomenal. Yet, quote, no play, everybody. There's no play. Just look at the body language. You're in shotgun, empty backfield, fourth and one. I'm thinking, sure, go for it. You want to win the ball game, not hope to lose the game. Go under center. Run the football. What do they do? No. Henny goes out of the shotgun, rolls out, fires a pass to Hill for the first down, and they're able to milk the clock and seal the 22-17 win. Phenomenal.
2: Yeah, and not that I was listening to Romo, but – you just watching them and then play clocks going down. And then all of a sudden you see a guy, you know, go from the left side to the right side. Now, Craig, I don't know why teams don't run that play. It's a hundred percent. Again, and it's called a straight, right? So you, you basically, he rolls out a little bit and, and the receiver faces he uh, can face the uh, defensive back where the back can't get in front of him. I don't know why more teams don't run that play. I mean, it's, 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 I hate to say it's automatic because you don't want to have a false start penalty, uh, you got to make sure guys are blocking in the right spots where the the quarterback can get out, and you know give the uh, Chiefs credit because um, you know they really probably they didn't have their top running back, but Williams was out there running. They run those those bubble screens with Tyreek Hill, and to me, I I, I thought they were going to try to draw him off sides and punt the ball. I really, I, and then but you don't want to give the the ball back. The whole idea is you don't want the other team to touch the ball at that. And then you know when you look at. Um, some of Stefanski's timeouts, it cost them. I mean, I, I get these challenges and stuff. But that was a bad, that was a bad challenge.
0: Yeah. There's someone upstairs has got to tell them that though, that is, you don't want to challenge in that situation to lose a timeout here. We are applauding Andy Reed for that play call. Now, if it goes against him and the Browns come away with the win, then it's like, you know, hindsight being 2020, but That is the M.O. That's what Andy Reid has done in Kansas City. Didn't always do it in Philadelphia, but that is what he has done with the Chiefs. And if that is your background and that is your M.O., then that is what you do in that situation. You go for it. I, I like the decision to go for it. I don't know if I could have run that play. I would prefer the quarterback to be under center and to run the ball or sneak it, a la Tom Brady, as opposed to a pass play, especially with the backup quarterback in there. and Nothing against Chad Henney. He's a a veteran in this league, yet that is certainly a play that you could have looked at and said, you know what, the risk, let's go with something more more conservative in that fourth down situation, especially to keep the clock rolling. You throw incomplete there, and then all of a sudden you've got more time that the Browns can use to go and perhaps
2: get the victory. And I thought the Chiefs players did a really good job when they were getting to the sidelines. They were staying in bounds because at that point, when Stavansky uh, blew those two timeouts, and 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 they, I just thought they're playing against the clock here. They were five for ten on third down, two for two on fourth down. Um, it was pretty even uh, time of possession. But you know, Henny, that 13-yard run. I mean, he had two uh, ter- carries for 12 yards, but that 13-yard run, I don't think anybody thought that would happen. And he almost got it too. He stopped just a bit short. He
0: dove yeah. head first, so it's not like you slide, and that's where yeah. you get marked down. So a heads up play on him. So the top two seeds reach the AFC Championship game: Bills at Chiefs. Again, the NFC Championship game. You got the number one seed Packers and the fifth seed Buccaneers, and we'll have more on that later on this week here on Cardinals Cover Two. But uh, so far, I've uh, enjoyed postseason football minus the Cardinals, but it has been a fun couple of weeks here.
2: Yeah, and we always talk about, you know, teams run the ball, you know, 30 times or more, not so much a back. And you look at some of these, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, threw for 204 yards, Brady and Breeze less than 200 yards. And again, once you get to the postseason, it's different. And, you know, every possession counts. And when you get a defensive pick six or you get a kickoff return for touchdown, it just flips it. And so – um, it's it, it, To me, I always said it gets magnified in the playoffs. There's, it's never good to turn the ball over in the regular season, but when here, it you got everyone watching, and it gets magnified. Can they overcome this? And, you know, you know if Lamar Jackson doesn't go out of that game, I don't know if they win, though, because they, they were containing him. And, you know, if you're Baltimore, get him some receivers. I mean, besides Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, what weapons does he have? Get him some receivers. I mean, you're wasting him right there. And listen – I think he's made improvements from making decisions inside the pocket. But when you make him one-dimensional, he's got to make tight throws. And some of those guys are not getting open. So get him some weapons. And uh, I, I like Baltimore's defense. That's why I was I thought they would be able to shut down Buffalo's run game. But clearly, um, Buffalo doesn't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. And they play complementary football. And that's I think everyone's aiming for. Offense gets you into the
0: postseason. Once you reach the playoffs, it's defense and special teams that get magnified, to use your term, and all of a sudden, everything else gets elevated to where that is where
2: you really make your mark. As further, well, whether you advance or you go home. Yeah, and it's it's so different. And you know, we knew that during the season, the officials were, weren't calling as many holding calls. Um, but penalties—some of these dumb penalties these teams had—and then analytics played a role with Frank Wright and uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, you know. But they've been consistent throughout the season about going for it on fourth down. It doesn't work. At least, it, at least Michael Pittman was open. They just couldn't connect on that pass. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's teams do a deep dive and they self-evaluate because analytics are good, but I think you got to go with the gut sometimes. Like if you're going three and out three and out and you think you're going to think you're going to pick up a fourth and two, that's probably not best. If you're driving the ball on the field and you're getting positive yards and first and second down, well, we're going to be aggressive here. Um, but you know, I, to me it's about gut because one thing analytics doesn't know about is the brain and the heart
0: and the Who's flow playing? of the
2: game. Yes. And, and I'm sure there's numbers where, you know, guys play better in the fourth quarter than others. Um, but again, down in distance, the flow of the game. Um, to me, go with gut over with the with the. And everyone was criticizing, um, you know, Stefanski for going for the extra point. I mean, you, you don't want to chase points in the end of the third quarter. Yeah, I know that it was a two score. One sign you're down by nine or eight, and then it's eleven. But again, people just think, oh, go off the sheet. No, he he knew I need the points here because we're going to get a two, two possession game, then a three possession game.
0: Three games remain here in this 2020 postseason, two coming up this Sunday, and we'll get more into that later on this week. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Once again, special thanks to Kyle Uttergaard joining us earlier in the show to talk about the top plays on offense here in this just completed 2020 regular season. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Almahundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Reolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.